0: Hi, this is Manufacturers Make Strides, episode nine, sustaining good manufacturing processes with Tom Brignall. I'm your host, Martin Griffiths, helping manufacturers solve problems since 2009, bringing you the tools and techniques to work smarter, not harder. And in this episode, we'll discuss how to sustain good manufacturing processes. And it's an interview with Tom Brignall, who's a manufacturing consultant at IMIG UK, and he spent the last four years working in the automotive manufacturing industry. And in today's interview, we talked and covered all sorts of things from the biggest avoidable mistake that he sees manufacturers making, um, some things that are recommended as good practices, but actually aren't, and then how about once you've established some good practices, how do you go about sustaining them in your business? So there's lots of tools, lots of techniques, some gems in the interview today. Uh, let's get straight into it now. So tell us about your role at IMOG. How do you go about helping manufacturers?
1: Well, uh, my title is as a consultant, but uh, in reality, I'll kind of turn my hand to anything. Um, we, we consider ourselves uh, fairly unique as a consultancy in, in, in the, that we try and avoid a specific niche market. We... Uh, have a fairly diverse skill set um, within the team. Uh, for example, my, my background is in process engineering, uh, w- w- with some degree of experience in kind of quality and logistics. So, um, I myself will, will kind of help in- from anything from setting up critical document like PFMEAs, control plans, through to kind of doing in-depth capacity analysis, uh, logistics planning. Um, but also through kind of working with the team that I do, I've, I've gained a tremendous amount of knowledge from um, my teammates in, in lean best practices and management styles so I can kind of support uh, a company, you know, it, it, with anything that I, realistically I, I'll be willing to turn my hand to.
0: Okay, brilliant. That sounds right. So how did you get involved in that to begin with? How did you get into manufacturing?
1: Um, so I started my master's degree in mechanical engineering specifically uh, and I, I really love to get my hands on to projects and and more with sort of practical skills. Um but I kind of came to the end of my university degree kind of not really knowing exactly what I wanted to do. Um and and didn't really even know where to start looking. And the reality was is my first job was was just offered to me indirectly through a recruitment agency as as a process engineer. Um, And it just happened to be in an automotive tier one. So from that. Kind of a bit of a trial by fire, really. So the first projects were particularly tough, but it gave me a really good opportunity to get a good chunk of experience in a very short amount of time, um, allowing me to kind of turn my hand to anything really related to the project. Sometimes, you yeah. know, by voice and some, sometimes out of necessity. Um, yeah. and it's actually where I met met my current team, and 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 they kind of wel- welcomed me on board, which was which is really nice to move on, but. Um, f- from that manufacturing has just been 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 really where I've developed my roots and kind of turned my hand to really enjoy it.
0: Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, it's funny. That, so I had a similar uh, kind of experience actually. Um, so uh, similar, I did an engineering degree, got to the end of it, wasn't too sure what to do. Um, I ended up in a couple of like smaller automotive uh, kind of suppliers, um, but I think one was a really good and was also thrown in the deep end. But I think with that, the thing with that is, you have to learn kind of like all sorts of skills and getting all sorts of challenges really quickly. And yeah, definitely helps you kind of learn quickly and and get on with things, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think working in some of the, the bigger OEMs, um, it, it's nice that you can be part of a really big team and and get to see some incredible projects, but quite often you find yourself as a very integral cog, but but that's, that's what you kind of stay fixed at. Whereas I think it's, you know, you can really turn your hand to anything with some of these smaller smaller manufacturing companies.
0: Yeah, yeah, great. Um, okay, so you've talked about some of the best practices um, that you're learning and trying and like kind of coaching and implementing uh, for some of your clients. Um, just kind of turning it on its head, what do you see as one of the biggest like, avoidable mistakes that people make in that kind of, in that space of, I, of planning the manufacturing out?
1: I think the reality is, is, is where people tend to go wrong is not doing the work up front. Um, yeah. from my From my experience, you know, it, it sort of, if you do ninety percent of the work into the planning, then that that remaining ten percent really should just drop into yeah. place. Actually, I think it's it's making sure you ensure that legwork is done at the beginning of the project, ensuring you know proper FMEAs are done. Yeah and um, you, you spec the correct equipment and the cost of the costing of the project accordingly, both yeah. both from a, time and, and resource and money, um, and then making sure all, all of the requirements are really clearly defined and laid out um, to all of the team, you know, right ahead of the time. And this this kind of prevents that panic realization um, that, that you might fall short within the, the, the line or, or the process's capability. Um, uh, too far into a project and it kind of you know you start start realizing that the project might be way over budget um or your margin for error is unrealistically tight um yeah. preventing making then the kind of crucial improvements that you might want to make to your line um yeah further down and, and, and kind of before you hit these key milestones. And I think uh, if that work's done up front, you know, you know, you, you go into it and you can fight fight any potential issues head on because you, you've already preempted that they might be there. Um, yeah. And subsequently, if you, you get ahead of it, it allows you to kind of start making the continuous improvements that you should always be making ahead of time, which is, um, you know, what, what your best practices ultimately lead to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's like, so there's a quote, um, uh, about that. If you had, um, like eight hours to cut down a tree, um, you would, if you spent the first seven hours shopping in your saw and then cut it down, that's a much better approach than just trying to spend like eight hours, uh, cutting something down with a blood saw. Um, so yeah, if you plan it out, you've got the, you, it makes the execution much, much quicker and much easier. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Um so in terms of good practices, do you think there's um, some good practices that are recommended out the at the moment that you actually kind of like disagree with or think that aren't good practices?
1: Um I oh, mean it's a bit of a tough one really. Um <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think I think any good practice that's only recommended because of you know what was done before is a bad one, um, unless it's properly kind of reviewed to see if it's worthwhile doing. I think what, what works for them doesn't always work for us. And yeah, I too often see these legacy practices that are so out of date that people don't even really know why they're done. Yeah. Um, especially when it comes to certain specifications or requirements for for you know equipment or, or processes within within your pre existing factory and. Yeah. I I want I want Spectre in fact it was a pressure testing um, device with with yourself and and the parameters on that were only set because I, Well, I eventually found out that the machine that we were using was actually limp previously was limited by the yeah. particular regulator that was used in it and I only found that out when we started um well essentially uh, blowing the product up <laughs> and destroying it right yeah and we looked back through the sort of doc historical documentation and found out that You know, there was no real reason for it. So I think it's making sure you really assess the practices that you're doing and making sure they're worthwhile. And I think that's, you know, that's the bad practices, really.
0: Yeah, and that they're a good fit to to you. So in terms of good practices, is it like, you know, a top 10 or a top few practices that apply to everyone? Or do you think it's like customised for you, depending on your, you know, the business that you're in? Um, I think there's a, you know,
1: there's a couple of um, strong practices, you know, that are quite generic to business through and through. So like making sure that you lead by example, um, mm-hmm. making sure you've got suitable foundations before you start, um, before you start any project, really, if it's be it implementing um, a new process, making sure you've got everything in place or, 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 or if, you know, you're looking at, you um, making a modification to your line, making sure that you've got a suitable buffer in place. So it's making sure that you've got a really stable foundation in place. Yeah. And, and, and above, above all, I think the best practice is, is make sure you use common sense. I think that, that applies everywhere until everything is using a bit of common sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Right. So once you've got those good practices in place, um, how do you go about to stay, sustaining them? You know, how do you make sure people don't get fed up and they don't drift after you know after a few months after a few years so we as a team
1: here we kind of live by the the four step approach and and that's kind of yeah preparation demonstration tryout, out and follow up so as i was saying before making sure you've got a really solid foundation um, and a well-prepared process then ensuring that it's been clearly defined to to those that will need it be it in a work instruction or 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 in a sp- specification format that's laid out um, then making sure that they've clearly understood um, and are capable of performing the approach, making sure they've got everything that they need and, and, and demonstrating that they're capable. Um, and then probably most of all ensuring that there's a well-established layered audit in place to make sure you prevent any of that backsliding that you that you mentioned, making sure um, you, you know you, you don't cr- don't don't do the biggest mistake of all, which is assuming that people won't maintain the process unchecked. It's the reality is. Yeah. It's, inherently in people's nature to continue a process especially if there's extra work involved yeah. um, so it's making sure that you really you have everyone involved as top-down approach so you're making sure that your you, you know your line managers are checking your operators your your, your seniors are checking your line managers, and then making sure that even even up to the director level is held accountable in in some form of layered audit and and um, and, and regular updates and checks to make sure that they're kind of kept in place. And it, if you do all of those steps right, um, your chances of sustaining good practices drastically goes up.
0: Okay, cool. So, in, like, keeping it simple. If you were looking at, I was just thinking about it. Then, is that like a kind of a carrot or a stick kind of, uh, you know, consequence to it? You know, are you like, you know, is it something that you like? You want to the job description. If they don't follow this process, you know, it's like a road down to a disciplinary, like in an extreme example, or is it, you know, they you incentivize them with kind of bonuses if they do stick to it.
1: So, so so that's that, that's a good point is uh from from doing my process fmeas you you one thing you're taught is there's no such thing as a bad operator uh, uh well, i'm sure we can all attest differently to that but the reality yeah. is, is you have to assume that um your operator's doing everything correctly and if there's a yeah. system that you've put a stable system in in place they shouldn't really be able to differ from it so the reality is is people should definitely be rewarded for good work but if you've yeah. done the job correctly and in instilling that process they would have to really go out of their way to do it incorrectly so yeah, yeah. In a situation then you know there needs to be some form of discipline upheld in, in in that environment but um but equally you have to recognize that the good behavior is rewarded as well so i think it's definitely a mix of both but uh yeah.
0: it's making sure I guess you want to make sure you've got a process in place that, like pretty much everyone with the like the base set of skills that can follow. You don't want to have something that's reliant on, you know, an absolute expert to, you know, you don't want to have a system that it requires an expert to, you know, to follow it through. Exactly, exactly. And it's it's you know it's making
1: sure that um, they they've got everything that they need to be able to do that process. And quite often we find is is not where where things fall short or or fall awry, it's it's i say nine times out of ten witnesses because you've not not given them the tools they need or you've not laid a proper foundation and and they they were doomed from the start so um yeah it's reflecting back in before you start dishing out the punishment
0: <laughs> yeah sure okay great so you mentioned your, your set process uh, before so how do you go about implementing that and like kind of within that have you got any tools that you you use that really help you to to do that
1: so um it's one of our kind of key tools that we use as an organization kind of it, it gives us visibility on 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 kind of where the issues might lie so it's we've developed a really strong site assessment that kind of mm-hmm. is something that we used to go and assess any facility anywhere we go um, providing both kind of an empirical assessment of all the areas of the organization as well as a, as, a, as an experience-based assessment of their systems their processes their capabilities and that gives us a kind of an insight of where where to apply the different aspects of the tool where they might be falling short and and kind of we look to evaluate ultimately the company as though we were running it ourselves um and going above the basic requirement to adhere to you know a particular standard laid out by a customer or something but 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 just to highlight and not just to highlight the gaps but to, to kind of highlight and elevate the the requirements to make the company go above and beyond um allowing us to Provide more of a more than just a box-ticking exercise, um, but allow us to create this bespoke action plan. To help the organization move forward and success as a business by um finding out exactly what they need and, and 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 how we can best implement our tools within that and it be it you know looking on a managerial level and and, and guiding them into a more sustainable leadership or or whether or not it's getting down on the shop floor or creating a task force and, and getting getting our hands dirty on on, yeah. on the floor so um yeah. i think that's main tool that we use to really help uh, direct our focus in the first place rather than just running headlong in with a a, a generic toolbox of, of, of box ticking actions to do and yeah. we make sure we're doing it bespoke to what they need
0: okay cool and how does that look is that like a you know a tick box that you know they have got uh you know something in place or is it like a rating out of 10 uh, you know something like that for each you know for the, each of the areas
1: so oh, there's um, the assessment kind of comes in two parts. Um, it will always approach it with um, with two individuals. One looking at at it from more of that empirical approach, so rating one to five the different areas of the business. Some instances it is ticking the box to say yes they have it or no they don't. But that will always be done alongside someone with a good number of years' experience to give their own um, personal assessment of the different attributes within the business from from their own knowledge base so looking at like that's the kind of next part to go above and beyond and see things that you know might be hidden from an obvious assessment or um you know maybe that where they've taken a different approach to achieve the same goals so it's that kind of two-pronged approach that will always give us the kind of best result we feel
0: okay Cool all right great and how does that fit in uh, like with the goal so I guess like manufacturers must come to you with like a set of goals that they want to try and reach so does your that kind of plan have to fit in to help them achieve that kind of like either you know quality or business growth goal or something like that?
1: Yeah so we um it kind of depends on what's instigated the approach and mm-hmm. and 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 what what they want as a company sometimes it's um it's just a a generic assessment going in to sort of see how they're how they're working as a business how they can do kind of get their improvements sometimes there will be a specific goal of maybe they need to eliminate arrears and they're struggling to do it or something like this but try and make sure when we run the assessment um, we come at it from a kind of unbiased approach and, and try and not go in with any preconceived notions that um, a company is performing one way or another. And this means that we we avoid um, making almost a false assessment of what we think is wrong versus what what's actually yeah. quite often, but oftentimes we'll find that um, the root cause of an issue might not be from the most obvious, most direct source. So maybe mm-hmm. it's an Interdepartmental link that's broken down, which causes, you know, an indirect issue. And that, and that kind of unbiased approach right. allows you to really narrow it down and find exactly what's wrong.
0: Okay, great. So you think it's important, like, to not just look at the manufacturing area, you think it's, like, important to look, like, right across the business? Do you mean from, like, sales, admin, all of those functions?
1: Yeah, um, our, our assessment covers all, all functions within a Organization. Um, yeah. Like you mentioned some of them there, we'd look at uh, logistics, um, engineering, business management, sales, um, you know, f- from finance perspective, as well as direct production, um, assessment of warehouse and facilities. It's a real kind of covers all the bases to make sure that make sure that nothing's missed um, and, and make sure we're really getting a clear understanding of how the business operates and and, and what we can do to best um best help them really
0: yeah okay brilliant that sounds great so like you've learned like a lot quite quite quickly quite a short space of time do you have any like book recommendations or any training uh recommendations that have you know really helped you along the way
1: so um i I, I could list a bunch of lean and manufacturing literature there's there's lots out there i know the, the the one that everyone seems to approach is um where's my cheese and, and things like that but but in reality I think is to be honest I feel personal downtime is just important to the integrity of the organization I think making sure that you get get a good bit of rest and find yourself some good entertaining literature to uh, to find yeah. so um I mean my favorite one of my favorite books is the the Silmarillion by J.R.R. Tolkien it's a it's it's a, okay. read, a good encyclopedia for Lord of the Rings knowledge but uh, but 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 yeah, I think alongside that, it's you know there's knowledge is free and it's abundant out out, out there. I think we live in the age of um, the internet age where you can find anything for for, for anything really. It's yeah. uh, I, I found quite often I need to approach a situation that I might not be familiar with, and I think mm-hmm. um, depending on how well you learn, there's there's a number of books out there um, or or even go through you know, alternative learning methods. So seminars on YouTube, I think yeah. um, uh, <laughs> might, might not be the answer of a specific book that you're looking for, but I, hope, I think it's a good, good resource of knowledge out there. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it's right, you know, and it's it's interesting because people like learning completely different ways and I think with all of the training information that's on YouTube at the moment, um, you know, like I'm like very much a book person and I will like to, you know, get probably like get the paper copy of the book and just digest it as quickly as I can, you know, I know some of the members on our team just can't do that at all um, and the, they learn, you know, through pictures, through talking and they process, you know, if they watch a video, they just they process that much more quickly so yeah no I, I AI great that's that is that is amazing uh, all that stuff um brilliant okay Th- thanks a lot for your time uh, today I think that was really interesting um what's the best way to get in touch with you what how can people contact you
1: so we have a, a contact page with on you know my IG website, which is just imig.com. Um, it depending on where you are globally, we've got a number of branches around the world. Um, or alternatively, you can find all of that information through links on our LinkedIn page um, at IMIG uh, UK uh, Limited. Um, and you'll be able to get direct contact through to us um, via our administration email. Um, so all of that information, yeah, like I say, LinkedIn or, or, or email or website direct.
0: Okay, brilliant. Thanks a lot for that, Tom. We'll uh, post links to all of that in the descriptions uh, for, from, this, from this video. Um, yeah, really appreciate your time today, Tom. So thanks a lot.
1: You're absolutely welcome.
0: Cheers, take care, bye.
1: Thank
0: you, bye. So thanks for listening to this week's episode of Manufacturers Make Strides, Sustaining Good Manufacturing Processes with Tom Brignall from IMIG UK. Um, One of the things I found really interesting was uh, Tom's four-step process for sustaining good manufacturing processes uh, and some of the tools that they use, the layered audits uh, particularly. So for more tips on how to work smarter, not harder within your manufacturing career, or if you'd like to reach out to us, you can visit our website at metisautomation.co.uk. Until next time.